Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, good morning, Anna. It's a joy to be with you, and I want to thank you for coming in the flesh because it helps me so much to see real people. And those of you who are watching online, there are real people in this room, praise the Lord. And, um, but as Phil so well said, it's important that we all worship wherever we are and stay connected with one another. Um, it's a joy to be a part of a church that does that. And as I encourage you a lot, as you're going through your week, when you think of someone, you say, you know what, I haven't seen that person And the reason you haven't seen them is because you haven't been coming to church or maybe they haven't been. Give them a call and just encourage them and say, you know what, I miss seeing you, wanted to connect with you by phone, and I pray that you would do that. During these days, we do um, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. At the close of our service, uh, we will be worshiping through giving and encourage you to give either physically physically if you're present or to give online through your bank or through the website, or you can always mail in your giving. It's so important in these days to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And as we're, as we're leaning into these difficult days that a lot of people are having, we want to make sure that we're faithful with our resources because it says, I trust you, Jesus, even in these days. And uh, for the church, you may be wondering, how's the church doing financially? The church is doing all right, but we do have a big challenge coming up as our little friends ministry that contributes to our expenses um, is not going to be able to meet their obligation uh, going into the fall because of the lack of, uh, we're not able to, we're not allowed by the health department to have the number of students we would normally have. We have about a third. So those are some challenges coming up. Uh, so just be faithful and give and uh, uh, just rest in the economy of God and trust him with your resources. So happy 4th of July. This is the 5th, but it's 4th of July weekend, and I hope that you've gotten to celebrate a little bit, if maybe abnormally, as we normally would gather somewhere and we'd see fireworks and there'd be thousands of people and we'd all breathe on one another. Um, That's not allowed. We don't want to do that right now, right? But we should celebrate our nation. And our nation is taking a lot of hits these days. And there are problems in our nation. Racism is wrong. We should care for one another. We should care that people are treated differently. But there's also bigger problems that I think are more serious, and that's the problem of the right to life and that children in their mother's womb should be allowed to be born. Amen. And there's... um, It breaks my heart how many babies are aborted every year in the United States, over 600,000. The weakest, the most vulnerable. There are challenges in our nation. There are challenges uh, like immigration and caring for people who are needy. There are challenges like addiction and the destruction of the, the family. But we do live in an amazing nation with an amazing history. And you're hearing a lot of people kind of denigrate that. But remember, this is the nation 
uh, that was founded miraculously in 1776. This nation that over 1.3 million people have died to protect and to form. Um, it's an amazing nation. A nation that fought a civil war that cost over 700,000 lives in order to free three or four million slaves. This is a great nation. And incidentally, that number, 700,000, do you realize that's, at that time, was one in every 42 Americans died in the Civil War? One in 42. That's one in everyone in this room. It's at least one out of everyone in this room. Um, this is a nation that rescued the world twice from tyranny in two world wars. Uh, praise the Lord for our military and for the protection that they have offered. We need to celebrate these things. In addition, America is, America is the most charitable nation on earth, giving billions and billions of dollars to charitable causes. And we give billions and billions of dollars to uh, foreign aid. So yes, America does need to improve. There's things we need to work on. There's big problems. But this is a great nation. Dr. Andrew Walker, uh, who is a professor of Christian ethics and apologetics at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, said this recently. He said, as Americans reckon more deeply with their history, do we A, repudiate the American experiment as inherently corrupt and irredeemable, or B, push for greater alignment with the Declaration's own ideals on human dignity and natural rights. He says, I choose B all day, every day. It's not that things are perfect. It's that we need to press more deeply into what the Declaration of Independence says. For example, these are the lines he's referring to out of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that their creator endows them with a certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our nation is founded on freedom. But the question is, what will we do with this freedom? Many of you are probably familiar with Peter Marshall, the great preacher, pastor from Scotland. He pastored in Washington, D.C. for years, back in the 30s, 40s. And um, his wife wrote a great book, A Man Called Peter, and uh, it's a great story of his life. He was also the Senate chaplain, and he said this. He said, we may think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. And that's the platform that we have here in America. We have this incredible freedom, but what will we do with it? See, the problem of America is the problem of evil, right? The problem of America is the problem of evil. You cannot stop evil on your own. You cannot stop evil with human effort. The only way to stop evil is Jesus Christ because he is the cure for evil. So as Americans, as followers of Jesus, as you look at what's going on, you have to ask the question, what do I need to do? What, what's my role? How do we proceed? How do we move forward? And how do I understand our nation and the nations and what Jesus wants me to do? How do I work that all out in my mind? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to start in Psalm chapter 33, verses 10 through 12, because we need to get a sense 
of the difference between the nations and the nation. Psalm 33, verses 10 through 12, says this. It says, The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. And if you just read through this really quickly, you can kind of get confused about what does he mean by the word nations, plural, and the word nation, singular. It says that he brings the nations, their counsel, to nothing, and he frustrates them, and he, he's kind of in charge, if you will. He prevents them from doing what he doesn't want them to do, and he allows them to do what he does want them to do. Who are the nations is the first question. Understand, when the Bible talks about the nations, he talks about every nation, tongue, and tribe, he's talking about governments and, and people who are ruled by one government with borders, right? This is the United States, Mexico, Canada, China, Russia, all the nations, Cuba, Jamaica, the Bahamas. Those are nations. And the Bible makes a distinction between the nations and all these different governments and the one Nation. Verse 12 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as, chosen as his heritage. Well, who is that? Who is that? It's not the United States. It's really not even Israel, but it is the seed of Abraham. When the Bible talks about the nation, in the New Testament it's referred to as the kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. That's the nation. We, as followers of Jesus, had this amazing privilege to be grafted into the seed of Abraham, to be a part of his people. So when the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage, this is the church and those who follow Jesus. Understand that. We have an incredible responsibility to be the nation that God uses to reach the nations. Is everyone completely confused? You're like, I don't get what you're talking about. Here's what I need you to understand. We exist as followers of Jesus as a kingdom within many nations. And we have a responsibility to reach the nations. See, America is one of the nations, and it's been a place where the kingdom or the nation has flourished. America sends more missionaries than any other country in the world. America is a place where the church has been able to flourish. We've had this thing called a religious freedom, religious liberty, which incidentally is under attack in a great way in our country. We need to pray that God would preserve that. So we have this incredible freedom, this incredible platform to be God's people within the nation of the U.S. and other nations as well. Sometimes people look at uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 and they think of America. It says this, If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. A lot of times people think, of well, the land is our land. It's America. No, it's really not. Jesus is speaking of his people, Israel, and the land is the way that he displays himself to the world. This land is much more correspondent to the church. If my people will humble themselves, who are his people? That's us, the followers of Jesus. That's you. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Here's the thing, y'all. America is only as good as its people. Any nation is only as good as its people, especially in a, a republic democracy like we have where the government really does reflect the people. Let me just say this. If you're frustrated with government, you need to be frustrated with the people of America. And you have to ask, there's, how do the people change? Well, America is only as good as her people, and the goodness of her people is dependent on the ability of the church to lead people to live like Jesus. You really want to do something for the nation. We need to be able to live like Jesus and to live and to lead others to live like him as well. See, this is the call. This is the purpose of your life here in America today. Can I live like Jesus in a culture that's largely out of control? And seems to be moving further away from God. But in the midst of that, God still has his people. We need to live like Jesus. So now let me get to the passage I really want to talk about today. As Julie introduced earlier. How do I live like Jesus in this culture? How does that work? 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul is trying to help the Corinthians understand his ministry and help them know how they're to live in this setting of Corinth, which is corrupt and uh, just every wild possible sin is going on in Corinthians. And he often talks to them about the sin they've allowed in their church. And Paul is telling them in chapter 2, this is how you need to live. This is how you need to live in this culture. In verse 14, it says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, we don't see a lot of triumphal processions uh, in our culture. The one I think we're most familiar with is the ticker tape parade when your team wins the championship. Um, a lot of those happened, if you watched the last dance, you saw those a lot in Chicago, where Cassie Bradley loves to talk about. Um, a lot of those happened when your team, now of course, no one is winning anything in sports today because there are no sports, but you remember back in the day when there would be this procession through town and there would be this incredible celebration and up to a million people gather and they watch their team parade through town. Well, in Paul's day, that would be the Roman army 
returning from victory, and they would parade through town, through Rome, through the streets, and they would bring their, their great battle equipment, and they would bring all the stuff that they took from the people that they conquered, and they would bring the people themselves that they conquered. They're captives, and they would parade them through town, and people would cheer at the captives that the Roman government had taken. And here's what Paul is saying. You've got to get this picture because it's, it's not something we normally think about. He says, we are always led in this triumphal procession. And here's what he's saying. We're the captives that Jesus Christ has captive, captured. We're the ones that Jesus has literally rescued or cap, captured from this pagan world. And now we're in his procession, in his possession. Think about that for a minute. See, these people were living in another country, and Rome had captured them, and now they're on parade. And here's what Paul is saying. Listen, I'm just like that. I'm his slave. I belong to him. Jesus Christ has purchased me. And he says he leads us on this triumphal procession, and he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Now, in those days, when a, uh, they would worship various deities, and the adherents to that deity would, uh, a lot of times they would burn incense. And so they would say that when you smelled this certain aroma, that that deity was present. So that's what Paul is alluding to. And really, that's what aroma is, and that's what fragrance is. It's alerting you to the presence of something that you cannot see. Often you'll walk through the neighborhood and you'll smell a gardenia or some other kind of fragrant flower. And you'll know it's there even though you can't see it at the time. But in the same way, when you smell H2S, you know that's a dangerous gas. Gas you need to be aware of. And you need to get away from that. Or you smell too much chlorine. You need to get away from that. Um, so aroma has a two-fold issue. The fragrance can be sweet, or the fragrance can also be deadly. Verse 15 through 16, Paul explains this. He says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? And you kind of go, what does that mean? Here's what he's saying. To those who are dying, those who are perishing, those who are not followers of Jesus, those who are rejecting him, we are something that reminds them of death and indeed condemns them. We're the followers of just why you're not liked by some people if you're the aroma of Christ because it reminds them of judgment. But among those who are being saved, those who Jesus Christ is drawing to himself, the living, you are the sweet smell of life of Jesus Christ. We are the fragrance of him. And in verse 17, he explains this even further as he makes a great comparison. He says this, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. What's a peddler? 
It's not someone that rides a bike, as you're wondering. Um, a peddler, if you've seen the music, man, that's who Harold Hill was, all right? It's a huckster. It's not just a salesman. When I was in sales, I used to hate it when people go, oh, the peddler's here, and you feel like that's just totally demeaning, right? Um, but a peddler is someone who sells something that's really kind of questionable. Um, is it really worth uh, what they're saying it's worth? This is the guy on late night uh, infomercials, right? And he's selling that potion that you know if you rub on your knee is going to make your arthritis go away, and if you rub on your hair, head, it's going to grow hair. I don't know how it knows the difference. I think you're going to wind up with some hairy knees, maybe, and maybe a sore head. I don't know. But you've seen, you know what I'm saying, right? There's, it's going to do everything for you. Oh, just get this sleeve and put it on your arm, and suddenly you'll be so much stronger. Uh, or get this kitchen gadget, and it's going to make your life so much better. It's just three payments of $19.99. And you think on the TV it looks like it's this big, and you get it, it's actually this big. And it doesn't even plug in like you thought it would. You know what I mean? That's a peddler. It's someone who overstates what they're trying to sell. And their, their goal is to separate you from your money. Their goal is not your benefit. The goal is to separate you and to get you to spend money that you may not be able to afford. Their goal is self-centeredness. Their agenda. Don't really care about you. Just trying to win. Do you hear people like that? Do you hear voices like that in our culture right now? It's really just about their side. It's not about really caring for people. It's just, I want to, I want to build my, my people that follow. I'm going to build my, my team. Paul says that's not who we are. That's not the fragrance of Christ. He says we're not peddlers of God's word. We're not trying to sell God's word for profit, and that's certainly been done. Amen? Um, that's not who we are. He says this, but as men of sincerity. I love that word, sincerity. In Greek, it comes from two words, the son and to judge. Think about that. You put those two words together, it's basically to look at something in the light and to see it as it really is. I mean, what's the best photographic light, Robin? It's in the sun, right? Some kind, maybe the golden hour in the evening. To look at something in the sun. In other words, when someone looks at you, do they see sincerity, an openness, something that can be seen? Your, your, your motives can be seen in the light of day because they're pure. Sincerity. Are you sincere or are you sarcastic? How many real, sincere conversations do you have in a day? Will you actually share what's really going on in your life and you actually say something of meaning? Paul said, we are men or people or humans of sincerity. As, and this is what the fragrance looked like. It's sincere, and it's commissioned by God. Think about that for a minute. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you're trying to be the fragrance of God, you are commissioned by him, which means you are sent with his power and his authority. That's an amazing thing. God has commissioned you. He has given you a role that's more important 
than any other role that you have. He's commissioned you. There was a Lifeway study not long ago, and it asked pastors, do you sometimes think your congregation loves America more than God? And 53% said yes. Listen, America's important. We need to honor America. We need to be grateful for our nation and the platform that we have here. But your God, Jesus, is your God, not America. He's your God. He's the one you worship. He has commissioned you to represent him here in the United States and beyond. Remember, the United States is only as good as its people, and its people are only as effective as they're able to live the way Jesus lived. He has commissioned you. He has sent you. And then the last phrase, he says, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. This is what he's saying. God sees what you're saying. He sees how you're living. Have you ever changed your tone when someone walked in the room? Maybe when you were a kid, you were yelling at your sister, and then when your mom walked in the room, suddenly, oh, it's so great to be with you. I love you so much. You ever done that? None of you have ever done that, but you've had it done to you probably, right? Or maybe you've walked into a meeting, and suddenly everyone got quiet at your work. You ever done that? Oh, so y'all are talking about me. Oh, no. Oh, no. We wouldn't do that. Oh, no. How would your conversation be different if Jesus was here? Let me tell you, he is. If you're a follower of Jesus, his spirit is with you always. He knows what you're saying. He says, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Here's what he means. He asks, what does it mean to speak in Christ? It means that I'm speaking as a member of his kingdom, a representative of his I'm speaking to the best of my ability what I think Christ would speak if he were me in my situation. I'm representing him. See, this is what America and the world needs. Followers of Jesus who will speak in Christ as part of his kingdom. Not as a part of everyone else's kingdom, but a part of his kingdom. The fragrance of Christ is I'm not a peddler. I'm not selling. I have no other, I have no hidden ulterior motives. All I really want to do is I want people to know this Jesus that I have the privilege of knowing. I'm commissioned by God and I speak to the best of my ability in Christ. See, we must be the fragrance of Christ. Think about that. Fragrance permeates, doesn't it? Kind of wafts through the air. It doesn't force, it doesn't argue, it doesn't debate. It just represents what is unseen, the sweetness of Jesus Christ. We must be the fragrance of Christ as we represent his nation to this nation and to the nations. Let me ask you, are you using your freedom to overcome evil by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can say virtually anything you want in the United States. I mean, within reason. We have the freedom to follow Jesus, to live like Jesus, to talk like Jesus. If you're concerned about the United States, that's your first priority. 
How can I be the fragrance of Jesus to my world? How can I allow him to permeate my culture through me? We do this so that others may know Jesus. So that others may live through Jesus. So others may be forgiven and so that evil can be defeated. This world is not our home. We look forward to the day when the kingdom of God will be drawn from all corners of the world, from under the earth, from in the earth, from on the earth, and will be gathered in heaven, and we'll all celebrate together, and we'll all look awesome, even better than you look today, and you guys look great today. But we'll all have these new bodies, and it'll be amazing. We'll gather with our loved ones who have gone before, and we'll celebrate what Jesus has done. Be the fragrance so that we can overcome evil in that way. Where are you today? Are you the fragrance of Christ? Maybe you struggle with maybe you struggle with sincerity and you're always sarcastic. You're always making a joke maybe. I struggle with that myself at times. Be sincere. Genuinely care as Jesus did. Recognize that you are commissioned by God. His power, his authority to defeat evil. And know that he is present and that you can speak in Christ through, with his spirit speaking through you. That's how we be, that's how we act as great Americans. And that's how we help our nation overcome evil. And we extend that to the world. We're privileged to live here. We are. That's why so many people want to come here. It's a great nation. There are real problems. But let's don't forget what God has established here and the opportunities that we have. And let's take advantage of them so that others can know Jesus. Today, where are you? You may need to say to Jesus, God, I, I haven't been the fragrance. Matter of fact, I've kind of been stinking it up a little bit. I haven't represented you well. Would you ask him today to make you sincere and commissioned and be able to speak in Christ? Some of you may be saying, Steve, you know what? I'm just wringing my hands in this culture and I can't get my head around it and I, I don't feel comfortable. I have no peace. I, I don't even know if I have Jesus. Listen, he's waiting to provide peace in whatever situation you're going through. You can be that fragrance in this culture. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.